Hello, and welcome to the Victory Bank Business Series Podcast. This podcast will be a series of seminars recorded at the Victory Bank in Limerick, PA. The Business Series Podcast brings members of the community to learn and grow together, featuring topics to boost your personal and business performance. Our speakers are subject matter experts, bringing you knowledgeable advice in a clear, concise manner. The first part of this podcast will be the presentation from our guest speaker, then followed by a Q&A from our community audience. Thank you again for listening, and now on to our episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Victory Bank Business Series podcast. This podcast will be a series of seminars recorded at the Victory Bank in Limerick, Pennsylvania. The Business Series podcast brings members of the community to learn and grow together, featuring topics to boost your personal and business performance. Our speakers are subject matter experts, bringing you knowledge and advice in a clear, concise manner. The first part of the podcast will be a presentation from our guest, then followed by a Q&A from our community audience. Thank you again for listening, and now on to our episode. And our guest today is Ed Burns from Mellier Marketing. Ed, take it away. Thank you so much, Bill. So today we're going to talk about island marketing. And island marketing is a way to go about your online presence and make it fun. So a lot of people are working uh, with their social media and they spend time and money and energy on it and they say it's not working, this is so frustrating. Forget, forget about the frustrations, we're going to make it fun. If you're not having fun, you shouldn't be doing it. Alright? Yeah. So, we're, it's all built around an island. So today I just want you to, throughout, throughout uh, today's discussion, if you want to sit back and close your eyes and pretend you're sitting on a beach somewhere, you just go right ahead. <laughs> so my question for you today is what is your marketing strategy? Specifically, what is your marketing strategy online? If you can't write it out and you don't have it clearly defined, if you don't have it posted on your wall next to your computer, then my challenge to you today is to make it so that you have it written out so you can post it up and you know what activities you should be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And you know when you're sitting at your computer whether the activities that you're uh, doing in that moment are in line with your strategy or not. If they are, you keep doing it. If they're not, you stop. Okay. So this is what stops us from getting lost in the Instagram feed or LinkedIn or Facebook for hours at a time. It's making sure we have a reminder there right next to our computer screen of what we're trying to accomplish. And we can just simply ask ourselves whether our activities are in line with that mission. So there are a few questions that uh, everybody needs to ask themselves. Okay, When you approach your marketing, there are a few things you need to be clear on because if you're not 100% clear on them, I can guarantee your customers will not be clear on them. And if your customers are not clear on these things, then they have no reason to do business with you. So the questions that you need to have answered are, who are we? As an organization, who are we? Why do we do what we do? And what is it that we do? And have laser-focused clarity on each of those uh, answers. Have very clear answers to the question, what are our goals for this year? Okay, so no matter your organization size, you should have some goals for the year. And not only should you have goals for the year, but you should also ensure that everyone on your team is perfectly crystal clear on what those goals are so that everyone is pulling in the same direction. The number, one the number one mistake that organizations make that I've found 
is that everybody's pulling in a different direction. Not everyone's clear on, this, on what the goals are. You have C-level executives who want one thing and the marketing team thinks they want a different thing. And then at the end of the year, everybody's frustrated because not everyone was pulling in the same direction and working to accomplish the same thing. So who do we serve? This is probably the most important for your marketing. Who do we serve? It's not who am I trying to sell to. That's very, that's very different and I would argue totally irrelevant. Who do we serve? The more clear you are on who you serve, the easier it is to find people who want to work with you. By serving them, how does this change their lives? How do our products or services change their lives, preferably for the better? When we're clear on how our product or service changes someone's life, it's super easy to convince somebody to do business with us. So that's why uh, there's a before and after grid. If you look up digital marketer before and after grid, there's a template. You run through it. You keep your customer in mind. Before they work with us, what's their life like? After they start working with us, what's their life like? That's the change agent uh, that, that you are. That, that's how you make a difference in people's lives. And the last thing is, how do people learn that we exist? So a lot of today's talk is going to be focused on that. How do people learn about So, take a moment. If you had your very own island resort, if you had your very own island resort, you got to build it from absolute scratch to whatever you want it to be. Close your eyes and picture it. You can smell the salt water, feel the warm breeze across your face. What's going on on that island? What, what resort attractions are there? How'd you get there? Mm -hmm. What's your island like? Right. So build that island in your mind. So if, if you had an island, you would need two very important things to have a successful island resort. You need a reason for people to go there, and you would need a way for them to get there. A reason for them to go there, and a way for them to get there. So why would someone come to an island resort? Relax. To relax. Okay. Entertainment. Entertainment. To have to fun. To escape, yeah. To escape? Yeah. To veg yeah. out. To veg out? <laughs> right. Right on. Yeah. So picture this for a moment. You have, you have your island in the middle of the ocean. The ocean is the internet. People get lost every day in the internet. People get lost. And in the middle of the internet, you have your island, which is your website. Okay? Your website needs to have a reason for people to go there. Okay? And so, just like on your island resort, people want to be entertained, they want to relax, they want to have fun. It's the same thing with your website. There needs to be a reason for them to go there, and it should be engaging, entertaining, and informative. Your content are your island, that's your island attraction. So on an island resort, you might have bars and hammocks and a roller coaster, and you can have all kinds of fun stuff on your island. And on your website, you need to have things that people care to come see. You need to have blogs, videos, podcasts maybe, 
You pick your, your platforms and your forums that you want to have discussions on, but create content that is educational, informative, engaging, entertaining. If you're able to do that, you will win at your online marketing. If you create exceptional content that, we go back to who do we serve, how can I, before someone has met me, solve their problems and answer their questions? If the content on your website and through social media solves people's problems, it will lead to new business every single time. The better your content, the more they're going to think of you as a thought leader, the more they're going to come to you. If people are coming to you to answer their questions, they're coming to you to solve their problems, it's only a matter of time till they come in and they start giving you money to make all the problems go away, all the other problems. So, How often do you change that content? Do you do that on a daily basis, weekly basis? Or uh, how, how do you monitor that, that it gets stale? Great question. So a lot of it has to do with what's your bandwidth and max yourself out, okay? So, and it depends on the forum. For what you're doing, you could make a one minute video every single day and it would be helpful. Uh, you can make videos on how to change your oil, how to do this, how, for different makes and models. That's a great way to put content out there that's helping people. Because what I found is the more you tell somebody, here, you can do it yourself and here's how you do it, the more they say, oh, that's interesting, could you just do it for me? Right? Especially yeah. after all the covers that you have to remove before you get to that. Right? The oil. Yeah. So they're going to watch you change somebody's oil and they're going to say, hmm. see you tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, I look at it this way. You know how like uh, Jiffy Lube will uh, have these specials like twenty nine ninety five oil changes and that you get these cars that you have to remove 10 different panels and then change oil and it takes you about a half hour to 40 minutes to change oil. You're just like, well, if you're $100 an hour and you're spending a half hour 40 minutes and you're only getting uh, charging $22 an hour or, or to do the oil change or $29.95 you're not making any money. That's so. that's very true. Now but something to keep in mind I think that Jiffy Lube does well is so for them that's a loss leader and we can do that as businesses too so the hardest thing to do is to get somebody to give you some money so you start out by having a price that maybe doesn't quite cover your costs or just covers your costs you're not necessarily making money and then you cross sell and upsell all day long so you come in for an oil change of twenty dollars and then hey uh, you, your tires are a little bald. Can we get those switched for you? And, oh, this and this oh, and the brake line. And so then they make a boatload of money. But also, like as, uh, the video is a good idea because it shows the value of it, what you're, what you're doing and what you're going through. You're not just like, oh, yeah, you just put it up in the air and drain the oil and that's it. Yes. We're doing a lot more. So. And that's, that's a great point. You're not only, but you're not only showing value, you are giving value. Yeah. You know? You're not just saying, hey, we're good at what we're doing. We're saying, Here, here's how you can do it, too. The more that businesses empower their customer base, uh, the easier it's going to be to do business. The more, you know, it's just a no-brainer that not everybody has time. I'll say this, most everyone doesn't have a lot of time right now. So we have this fantasy world we live in where we think, oh, I can do this myself. And at the same time, well, I'm going to let Walmart deliver my groceries because I don't have time. So every time somebody thinks they're going to do it themselves, ten times out of nine, no. they're not. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, Thank so you. absolutely. So 
It depends on, on your content. So a podcast, I don't think you need a podcast every day. Uh, once a month or a weekly podcast, that's a great cadence if you're doing it once a week. Um, content comes down to this. Only say something when you have something to say. If you have information to share, share it. If you don't, don't make something up. And the nice thing is, whatever it is that you do, you're probably really good at it. And you probably have a lot to say about it. So you're not going to run out of content anytime soon. So pick your cadence and stick to it. If you commit to doing it once a week, then do it once a week. And if you're going to do it every day, do it every day. Well, how, whatever your cadence is, pick an accountability partner, maybe somebody in this room, who's going to watch your videos or read your blogs for you and give you honest feedback. So on our island, we've got all these different attractions, and that's, that's content. So it could be videos, could be blogs, could be white papers, could be ebooks. You can probably find somebody in your industry who's doing this really well. So go see what they're doing, and then just make yours a little bit different. You can learn from them. You don't have to copy them. But there's probably some best practices that they're putting into place that you can learn from. And so build out your island. Right now, if you don't have a website, or you have a website and it's static and stale, just start thinking about what needs do my customer have, what needs do my customers have, and how can I help them right now through my website content. All right. So if you want to figure out how good your island is, if you have a website, I would go to website.grader.com and it will give you a score based on your website's technical performance. It doesn't tell you how good your content is, it just lets you know whether or not it shows up well on mobile devices, which is very important. Is that like the same as like the My Google app where it shows you like all the clicks and, and all that, or is that something different? Well, that would be Google Analytics. Okay. So Google Analytics, I would use in conjunction with this. Okay. So this gives you a score. This lets you know what your traffic is all about. If you have a website and you are not following your analytics, there's no point. You need to know what activity you have. You need to measure what's going on in your island. You need to see how many people are coming and where they're coming from. Yeah, go ahead. I just have to tell everybody, I got to admit, I've been in business, my handyman business for 11 years. I have no website at all because I refuse to spend all that money. That's the main reason, right? I rely on Google and I rely on Facebook. And believe me, it works. You know, uh, as long as you feed it, it works. And I don't even have time to feed it a lot, and it works. I, I mean, I get, I get a lot, a lot, a lot of business from both of them. You know, plus my regular customers and referrals. But um, I, I, there's been a couple people in the 11 years that's been bugging me and bugging me and bugging me to, you know, for. But I, I refuse to spend that money. Yeah, I just refuse, and, and I do other things, and the other things that I do work for me. And that's super important, because when we go back to our strategy, if something's working for you and it's accomplishing your goals, then do that. If... Oh, I don't if, feel so bad. Yeah, yeah, don't feel bad. Because <laughs> I'm probably the only one in here that doesn't... That, doesn't have one, right? Does and we envy you. It's okay. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, so if you can 
because Facebook is its own island, right? So, but, but you can carve out your own space in it, and it's like you have your own stand. So it's the same concept. And if it's working for you, and you're busy, and you're making what you want to make, and everything's good, don't change. Don't make any changes. If, you, if you're not accomplishing your goals, make changes. And that's what all this stuff comes down to. If you're getting what you want out of it, don't mess with it. And, but if you want to do more, make some changes. So we talked about the reason that people go there. And now we're going to talk about the way that people get there. So how do people get to your island, to your website? And, then, and perhaps just as importantly, what happens when they get there? So if you had an island, how would you get people from wherever they are to your island? Boat. Boat. Plane. Plane. Bridge. Bridge. Those are some of the main ones. So, the first thing that I would do is if I had an island. Drones. Yeah, drones, helicopters, yeah. Uh, the first thing I would do if I had an island is I would build a bridge from my island to another island. Okay? And that's the connection we get with other social media platforms. Right? Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, whatever it is, you can build a bridge from where you are to there to get traffic going back and forth. And then when you build these bridges, everybody hates tolls, but in this, <laughs> tolls are great. So what you want to do is you want to create an opportunity that as people come back and forth from other islands to your island, sometimes in order for them to access a certain piece of content, <coughs> you ask them for their email address, right? That's the fee. And the fee is fair, right? Because it's low cost to them, it's just their email. High value to you. Because for every dollar spent on average, for every dollar spent on email marketing, there's an ROI of $44. All right? It's pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. What was there? For every dollar spent on email marketing, the average ROI is $44. Okay. okay? So getting someone's email address, it's cheap for them, it's great for you. Don't gate all of your content. Don't say, in order to see this article, you need to give your email address every single time because not everything you put out is worth an email address. But sometimes when you say, this is the best thing ever and we know that our customers need this and they're asking for it, that's worth an email address. Okay? So you picture your island, you build a bridge to another island, and here's the key. You don't need to build 85 bridges, okay? Because you're just going to be overwhelmed. Especially for as small business owners, we cannot, and we're being very unrealistic with ourselves, whether it's a nonprofit or, or uh, whatever our business is, an agency, um, mom and pop shop, we cannot monitor all the social media networks that exist. Okay? Pick one where your customers are and get super exceptional at that platform before you even think about going somewhere else. Pick your platform. Okay. So this is this is the bridge. Social media is the bridge. So once we have people going back and forth across the bridge, and sometimes we get those email addresses, 
That's where we get into the island air service. If you said taking an airplane, that's your email marketing. So flights are regularly scheduled, and there's always enough leg room for everybody. <laughs> so your email marketing is a great opportunity to follow up with your customers and add value. So this is where you're pushing your content. You're saying, hey, okay, you came to the site, you gave us your email address, thank you so much, and you pick your cadence on your email marketing. For some industries, every day makes sense. Not for most of us. For some it does. Some of, some of us it's once a week, some of us it's once a month. So pick your cadence on what your customers want. And it's as simple as calling a few of your good customers and ask them, if I were to create a piece of content every month that solved this problem, would you read it? They're going to, yes or no? If they say yes, you give it a try. If they say no, figure out, talk it out with them, figure out what makes sense. And then, again, we go back to analytics. Once you've been doing it for a couple months, you check it. If people aren't opening the emails and what you're doing is not working, then you need to make a change. Okay? So your email marketing is an opportunity to get people from their email inbox to let them know, hey, we still exist and we're still solving problems. And this is where you can offer coupons, rebates, ask for reviews. There's all kinds of stuff you can do through email marketing. And all you have to do is, is do a quick search on Google. What are some best practices for email marketing? You'll get all kinds of ideas. You'll have enough emails for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Ed, can you talk about um, email marketing a little bit? Because I feel like some of the emails that I get, there's multiple items in that email. Like I'm trying to read like three or four different points. Like does it make sense to, I guess, have like an action item? I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I thank you. So with all of your content, through social media, email, everything, how can I make this even more simple than what I just came up with? And until the answer is, there's nothing else I can do, you don't stop, all right? So with your email marketing, lots of people, they say, this is my newsletter, and it's 45 pages if you printed it out of all this stuff. And at the end of the day, nobody actually cares about. And this is where we need to be super careful, is that what we care about as a business owner is absolutely not what our customers care about as our customer. And when we stay in our frame, of me as business owner, that's not serving our customer at all. And as uh, an email recipient, how do I look at the emails that I get? How does my customer look at the emails that they get? And so one action item is fine. Your email should have one thing. It's either one article or ask for a review or it's not all those things at once. Do one thing and have a very, very clear call to action. So your call to action is the action you want somebody to take. If it's you want them to read this article, the call to action is a button that says read this. If it's um, leave a review, the button is leave a review. If it's just look at the picture and you don't have uh, a link for them to go to, you don't have to. But just make sure it's very clear the action you want the person to take and it's super simple so that nobody can mess it up. My objective in sending this email is that they read this blog. Okay, so you put the teaser of the blog, you put an image in there, it all links back to the same blog, and that's it. Okay. Thank and, you. Yeah, and I think that works too, because I actually just got an email this morning with a simple action item to leave a review on this website. 
this website was writing an article about several other different services. There are about seven different services, and they were like, you know, these are the differences between all of them. But the email that I got was from one specifically. Yes. So then I went to the website, and down below in the comments, every single comment was about from that company that I got the email from. Yeah. None of the other six or seven were even on there. So just the fact that that email had a simple action item prompted other people to go on there as well to leave those comments. Yes. I thought that was interesting. And that's where we get into, with your email marketing, there's this, the buzzword is list seg segmentation. List segmentation. So if you want to look something up that will help you with this, it's list segmentation. And it's as simple as this. How can we break down our list to make it as specific as possible. You might have a thousand emails to send to, but your thousand emails should probably be broken up into 10 lists. Each list should be based on your specific service or product or a specific interaction. The emails that your customers, existing customers get, may not be the same emails that your prospects get. Your customers who buy A should probably not get the same email as the people who buy B, whatever A and B are. Well, don't you want the A people to buy the B uh, product too? You know, Maybe. You were, you were talking earlier about upselling and yes. uh, that kind of thing. Don't you want them to buy the other product? Absolutely. So if you buy A and Bill buys B, if I send an email to you talking about B, that conversation is a different conversation than the one I would have with Bill because Bill's already familiar with the product, mm -hmm. you are not. So it's a different conversation. Okay. So as a customer, someone who's not familiar with whatever B is, mm -hmm. needs, to, needs to have a different conversation. So that's where the segmentation comes in. It's the more that the conversations we have vi virtually, so this all comes down to relationships. Everything we're talking about here comes down to relationships. Your digital marketing, your online, your social media, it's how can we take our virtual network, our virtual relationships, <coughs> and make them real. And so the more personalized, when we go to a networking event, the people who network effectively are not the people who work the room the hardest and talk to the most people and get the most business cards. They do not make the most money at the end of the day. It's the people who move through the room slowly and have meaningful conversations with one or two people through the course of the night because their close rates are like 100% as opposed to the other person who maybe talked to 10, per, 10 people, but their close rates... 4% or 2%. So they have to go to 97 networking events to get the same results, right? So if your conversations are meaningful in a networking event, you're more successful. If your conversations are meaningful via email and social media, you're going to have higher close rates. You're going to have more meaningful interactions and you're going to have people who are committed to your brand. So it's not a, an email blast that goes out doesn't work. An email blast, the whole, the whole idea is, hey, listen to me, look at what I've got, this is great, just sh sit down and shut up, right? The idea of effective online marketing is, hey, let's have a conversation. What are your problems? Can we talk about them? And so an email that goes out to 10 people, just 10 people, that is, that's super specific to their needs, and they read it as, and, and they say, oh my gosh, it's like, this email was written just for me. That's what all of our interaction. We want people to feel like, this was just for me. And when they feel that way, 
then they do business with us. If it's, oh, okay, another email blast, it's not effective. So that's where segmentation comes in. Yeah. I have a question. This is actually something that I've struggled with because I know about this, but I know for me personally, I can segment the list to these are people who physically come in the store, mm -hmm. and maybe these were tourists that don't live in the area, and I want to try to get them to my website. Yeah. But um, the way you're talking now, like I could segment it also like, these are my older customers that are more interested in this nostalgic candy versus these are the younger crowd that might like to watch <laughs> the videos of kids opening candy. Yes. But how do you collect all that data to be able to segment them in that way? Is it like when they fill out the email sheet, like you ask them for age? I mean, I feel like people would leave that blank. Like how do you get all this data to be able to segment it? Yeah, slowly and carefully. Um, so it depends a lot on the tools that you have. All right, so there, there are online tools, and it depends on your budget. So there are online tools out there that, um, so for example, if you're using Facebook to retarget people. So we talked about a Facebook <coughs> pixel. So if you're using Facebook and you don't have a Facebook pixel set up on your website, mm -hmm. that would be a great action item to come out of today with, is to create a Facebook pixel. Because it uh, will target people through the Facebook ad delivery network, through Instagram or, or Facebook, based on the activity that you set on the website. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what that means is that you, just by using this Facebook Pixel, which is a free free thing you can you can set up, you can start targeting your ads and your boosted posts based on whether somebody's come to your site or not, and then age, income. And you're saying do this through Facebook, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is, but would that have to do with the email blast that I send out, or does it give you a list of the emails of people that fit that no, category? No, it's not like, it's, it's just a different, it's a different way to approach people. Okay, so this would just be a way to do that through your right. Facebook posts. Right. Okay. So in, in person, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how you're collecting emails right now. I do have that people can sign up on my website, yeah. and then also I have like a sheet. Being a retail store, I just have a paper, people can fill their emails out. Cool. Which... It's worked pretty well for me. I've had a pretty high open rate. That's excellent. So, because people want to be on the site. <clears throat> so you need to figure out the question to ask those people that's not their age to know which group they, f they fit into, right? Because you have probably grandparents who mm -hmm. want nostalgic candy for themselves. And another helpful thing for them would be, why don't you buy some candy for your grandkids and yeah. get them in a lot of trouble? Yeah. You know? <laughs> can, can you be specific on the questions, like is this your first time or is that what what type of candy, and then you probably could get an idea of this. Absolutely. What's your favorite candy? You give them three options. Actually, yeah. that's a good idea. Yes. But, e but even like, uh, is this your first time there? There. Well, if they say yes, most likely they're either hearing it from a friend or out of the area, or the locals probably know about you. Anyway. Well, right now I just have people write what town they're from, so that lets me know, are they from my area, or are they out, because we have the railroads, we get a lot of people outside of even Pennsylvania. So that's how I segmented it at this point. Because I know yeah. people that live in New York City most likely are not going to come out to an event. But I might be able to get them to buy, purchase off the website again. Yes. So. And the other thing is once you send an email out, if you have an email, let's just say you have a thousand people on your email list, and you send out an email about something very specific, you have one call to action item, mm -hmm. right? And it's about a local event. Mm -hmm. And 200 people open it. Mm -hmm. and of those 100 people click it. Those 100 people who click it are probably a 
that's probably a good place to start to segment them off to a local list. Okay. So it is hard work to do, but once you have it, it's going to be way more effective. Okay. Yeah. I want to chime in, on it, and Dave kind of knows this, and talking to some of our business owners, but membership in a chamber is really invaluable. We have some people that have very small businesses, don't have a whole lot of money, and they will have a mixer at their location from 4.30 to 6.30 on a random Tuesday or Wednesday night, and everybody that walks into that mixer is hand throwing a business card in a basket. So now they're there for one of two reasons. One, they're there because they're there because they love the chamber, which is probably not why they're there. They're probably there because they want to check out this small business and see if it's good. That's a way to get 30, 40 emails right away. The people that have been in your store have, you know, and you maybe give out a, a couple of small door prizes, but, you know, I'm not a small business owner, but in talking to them, it can be a very valuable, valuable way to get people yeah. for your product. Why not? I had a, another question slash comment. So if I'm if I'm one of the people in this room and I want to start an email marketing campaign and let's say I have a hundred names on my list, could I almost do like a test sort of thing? So I'll send 10, 10 emails out for one uh, call to action item. Maybe it's leaving a review. The next one is with an article. The next one's with a link to my Instagram page or a post or something like that, and kind of see what plays off. Like, would that be appropriate to? Absolutely, absolutely. That's good. the The problem with it is is just balancing time and energy and what you can put into it. So that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, too. because yeah. then you know if you're if you're posting if you're doing a blog post and people aren't necessarily opening up your you know website and reading it, but maybe they'll go to your Instagram feed. Then yes. you know you need to direct a little bit more energy towards the Instagram piece and then tie that back to the website. And the other thing is some, there are email marketing platforms that allow you to do it's A-B testing. And so that's where you get down and you say, we want this action item to happen. We want to drive people to this product page. In order to do this, we're not sure how best. So we'll try this subject line and this subject line and see which one gets more opens. Right? And so you can break that out into, okay, between this subject line and this subject line, when we get into subject line A, we've got this call to action, and then we have it phrased differently here with a different image. Which one's more effective? Mm -hmm. So you can really segment this stuff down into as, as many options as you want to, to get your goals accomplished. So here's what not to do. Don't get on LinkedIn, send somebody a message that says, hey, my name is X, and we should do business together because ABC, and when you want to get together, just sign that deal, okay? <laughs> doesn't work, all right? Because who here likes to be sold? No one. Who likes to buy stuff? Or needs to buy stuff? Or, it has, or has at some point bought something, right? We all need to buy things, but we don't want to be sold. And we forget that sometimes when we're the one who's selling. And it's very important through our online marketing and, and in-person and whatever the forum, that we remember that no one likes to be sold. No one likes to be sold. So if our goal is to sell something to somebody else, counterintuitively, maybe we shouldn't try to sell them. And so that's what we need to remember through our online marketing as well, is that when we send messages, whatever the platform, if Facebook's our platform or LinkedIn or whatever it is, we don't close deals through social media. We don't sell people through social media. These things are supplemental to our in-person interactions. Maybe, they, maybe the relationship begins online and then it comes offline for a coffee meeting, or 
maybe we meet somebody at a networking event and we get their email address and we follow up with an email or maybe we send them a LinkedIn message. But it's supplemental, it's a piece of the pie, it does not replace our relationships. And the people who are trying to replace sales completely through an online activity are not going to accomplish their goals because they're missing the point that these tools are supplemental to building human relationships. They do not replace them. It's interesting that in my business, I have lots of people that contact me through Facebook and I really don't want to communicate through Facebook. I want that more face-to-face or even on the phone um, encounter to build a relationship. And I get people messaging me and Oh my goodness, I, please, can I have your email? Can I have your phone number? Can we talk? Can you call me? Right. And it's really kind of interesting how there's a lot of people who want to do business like that, which is pretty foreign to me. Yeah, and, and part of it is um, this is false comfortability with social media where people have been spending so much time on it that that's their forum yeah. for existence, right? Yeah. But, it, but when you pull them away from it, they're the same people who usually complain about people being on Facebook too much. Right? So I think one of the things that you can do as a travel agent is you can set up Zoom meetings. Hey, if you, if you don't want to, or you can do it right through Messenger. Uh, you, but you do a video call to get talking to someone. Because here's the thing about people who want to buy online usually wind up being the biggest pain customers, right? Paying or pain? Pain, pain, pain. <laughs> P-I-T-A, yeah, <laughs> all right, because they want, they, they want what they think they want, but it's usually not what they actually need. You're right. Right? You're so right. So, it's okay, and it's okay to say no sometimes to doing business, because if somebody thinks they want something and it's not what they need, mm-hmm. they're going to wind up disappointed every single time, and they're going to blame you mm-hmm. every single time. Yep. Right? Yep. So, if, if that, and, and this is going to happen where people don't want to take it offline, mm-hmm. or they don't want to take it to email, or they don't want to take it to a call. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't, and this is where you can say, my business model is yeah. that, yeah. you know, if we meet online, if we connect online, then it turns to this, yeah. then it turns to this. If that's not a fit for you, that's okay. Here are some other agencies. That's right. I think also when people do that, Judy, is sometimes like he was saying about how people don't want to be sold, it's easy just to get that basic answer without feeling pressured Mm -hmm. to go to the next step. Mm -hmm. So I think if they're serious, they probably would want Mm -hmm. to meet with you in person. Yes. Because the other thing is people want free stuff. Yep. Right? So they'll reach out online to get something for free, (coughs) and you wind up giving a lot of free consulting away. And then they go work with somebody else, or they go book themselves through maybe Expedia or something. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. We, right? call, we call it bless and release. <laughs> right. Right. Which is where your content come in, can, mm-hmm. can come in. Hey, here's an article that I think will answer the question on our, on our website. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you think. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through, there, there's issues with them. You can create content that does that. You can create a video that talks through those issues. What you, whatever they're asking a lot of, just give them a piece of content. And then every time, and this is where it's huge, where do we create content? As people ask us questions, mm-hmm. they're asking for a piece of content. Mm-hmm. So we can create content to answer their questions. That makes you more scalable. And you can just send them the article. And then, because if they're just feeling you out, here you go. Let me know when you're ready to have a conversation. 
All right. So what we find is, so what we find is, we're over here on our side of the mountain, and everything we want, whatever it is, you think about what your goals are. What do you want this year? Our pot of gold is on the other mountain. And what we do is we hear about email marketing or Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, and we start uh, we start building a bridge. And we say, well, my friend told me that Facebook rocks for business, so I'm going to do it. And then we, we're building a bridge, we're building a bridge, and then somebody else says, well, you know what? Facebook's cool and everything, but have you heard of Instagram? Instagram is great. And we say, oh, maybe I should. So we, so we switch over to Instagram, we start building that. We start, we start doing Instagram, and then all of a sudden somebody comes and says, you know where everybody is right now? LinkedIn. you got to try LinkedIn. So we start using LinkedIn. And all of a sudden we have all these half-built bridges between where we are and where we want to be. And we never get to the other side because we never just finish one. All right? So what we need to do is just pick one. If you come out of today and you do one thing, it's pick something to get good at. Maybe it's your email marketing. Maybe it's Facebook or LinkedIn. Or maybe it's your Google My Business listing. But pick one. Pick one, rock it, spend six months on it, and become the best in your industry on that platform before you switch to using something else. And once you make that switch, get really good at that one, and then get really good at the next one. And it's gonna get faster and faster and faster, but it's worth it to slow down and just take six months to a year to get really good at something and become the best in your industry or the best in your area before you move on to other things. Yeah? yeah relating to your question, just know who you are and who your ideal customer is, but also know where your current customers are coming from. Yes. I mean, if we're spending a ton of money on building Instagram, but our initial leads are coming through Facebook, you know, it's a disconnect, a, a dissonance there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, any questions about that? When you get to the other side, you raise your hands in victory. You'll be so excited. <laughs> All right, so that's the presentation. Why don't we take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the Victory Bank Business Series. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Victory Bank Business Series. We're now going to continue with the presentation in our Q&A section. So who would like to, I know we got a lot of good information from Ed already, from Mail Your Marketing. We learned about Island Marketing. Um, but is the, does anybody have a question that they'd like to start with? Yes, I have a question. Um, so just yesterday I was talking with one of my employees, she's 16 years old, and I use um, Facebook and Instagram are the two social medias that I put out content on. And I asked her, I said, do you have any tips for me? You know, you're a younger person, you're on Instagram a lot for when I'm creating content on Instagram. And she said, yeah, she said, I've been using filters and you know, everyone always enjoys using the different filters on Instagram. And she told me, Rachel, you're making it too obvious that you're using filters. And she said, when Instagram first came out, it was cool to use the different filters. But she said, now you want to try to use a filter, but not let it be obvious that you're using the filter. So I would have never known that if I didn't talk to her. Do you have any other suggestions on creating content, how to do it the right way or rules? Sure. So I think with Instagram, it's hypervisual, and what you get into, and what she was talking about, is what I call fake real. All right. So it it's supposed to look real, but it's fake. All right. So this is where we get into the Kardashians and the Jenners and the. Um, you want to look super exceptional, but make it look like that's how you really look, right? 
So there's an inauthentic, uh, it's a little inauthentic, and that's where the problem with filters and what she's getting down to is it can't look like it's fake. It can be fake, it just can't look like it's fake. Yeah. Uh, so your content, but this is where I think creating truly strong content is don't worry about fake real, just be real. Mm -hmm. And the more real your content is, show, it's okay to show mistakes, it's okay to show spilled candy. Right, mm -hmm. I think that would be fun. You know, yeah. get a bunch of jelly beans. Out. If somebody spills jelly beans, that's that's fun. That's real. That's part of that's part of the, you know, as human beings, we have problems, and people typically want to help one another. So your content that solves other people's problems, but is also very genuine. If you're if you're highlighting a product for, you know, share your favorite thing about that candy, and have your employees share their favorite thing about their favorite candies, and have your customers share their favorite things, and and each story that goes with why that's their favorite candy. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good way to create content. Strong content is educational, informative, uh, engaging, entertaining, and stories uh, are, are where people connect. We connect with other people's stories. Everyone has a story. Most everything has a story. And when we can share those stories and articulate them well, and that's part of going to who we are. Uh, one of the first questions we ask is, who are we? Well, part of that is coming up with what's the story of our business? And how do we share it? Is everyone in our business on the same page about what that story is? If someone asks, well, who are you guys? Is everybody in the business going to answer the same way? Not to be inauthentic with it, but to be on the same page. So all the content that's storytelling um, is, is very strong. Visually, um, there are a lot of good uh, resources out there on, on creating uh, posts, Canva is one, C-A-N-V-A. -A. It's a free resource for creating social media posts. Um, and they have some great templates that you can use. You don't have to come up with everything from scratch on your own every single time. Um, but I think the best thing to do is to look at other people who do it really, really well. See what you follow and take pieces of it. Yeah, so I'm on using LinkedIn a lot. and. Uh, almost two years ago, I, I do um, work with businesses and uh, sales teams who are frustrated that they're not getting their full potential mm -hmm. in the marketplace, in sales and business development. But I noticed that a lot of the people that I dealt with in business were way too serious. They just, and so I started this thing, it's called Chuckle for Your Day, and I post a, a comic <laughs> cartoon. And I started getting this following. Yeah. Which is pretty cool, you know, people that that just need a chuckle in their day, and that was the goal. Um, but where I'm struggling now is to connect, make a bridge from that to actually my business and services, because <laughs> I want to deal with people that that can laugh, yes, know, and just laugh themselves maybe, but just not take things too seriously. So that's where I'm struggling right now. I don't know if you um, had any thoughts on that, please. Sure. So LinkedIn is an awesome platform, and that's my personal favorite. Okay. Um, there are a lot of things you can do with LinkedIn. One of the things that I think you can do most directly is you can go look at the people who are engaging with those posts, check out their profile, okay. link in with them, and send them a message. Okay. Right? About that. So um, Scott, is it Scott Adams, the guy who, uh, who does Dilbert, I believe? He connects business and humor all the time. So depending on what your chuckles are, you can start making them super 
topical and relevant to the pain points of your of your potential clients from time to time because sales is funny the problems that happen in sales are funny the disasters that happen in sales when you step back and look at it and as long as it's not you it can be funny so um, or sometimes it's so painfully you that that's what makes it funny so uh, I would just maybe tweak the content a little bit but then just start engaging with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, and send the messages. That's where LinkedIn is, is the most powerful as a platform. It's not just the content you put out, but then what are you doing to follow up? Sales is follow up, essentially. So, so are you following up and messaging people? I think that's probably the best way. And, and especially about specific posts that you put out there. And I th don't think there's anything wrong with asking them to share with you what, what their favorite, you know, would, would they be willing to, to send you a chuckle that you can put out? You know, and then you're building a relationship not based on hey, I have something you need necessarily, but hey, we're just connecting as human beings, and and then out of that usually flows business. Yeah, I mean, none of the comics have, or very few of them have, direct business relevance. It's just they're they're um, silly and ridiculous and just yeah. and funny and just like way out there, and it's just um, to take pressure off. And that's what I want to do. And then if but connecting it with that personal relationship, I appreciate those comments. Yeah, and, and some of that humor, really good humor is thoughtful and and points to problems. So if there's silly stuff, then that's great. But maybe just start mixing it uh, in with some, some more of that business-related stuff and then... And I have one on training. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Can we talk about hashtags with Instagram? Sure. And you know how many, what's appropriate, like how to best gauge <clears throat> others, yeah. etc. Absolutely. So hashtags work differently on the different platforms. So you said on Instagram, it's okay to to do a lot of hashtags on Instagram. The problem is um, when you said in, your Instagram previously, your Instagram is connected to your Facebook. It is. So the appropriate amount of hashtags on Instagram doesn't work on Facebook, okay. really. Uh, at the end of the day, two to three hashtags on Facebook's fine. On Instagram, you can put six and it's okay. Yeah, eight. Some people put like 93. I think I that's a little 30 was the max. Is that incorrect? You can do endless? Uh, no, I, I was I mean, just that's ridiculous, about, right? Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. There's no need yeah. for, for that. So right. hashtags really, I mean, at the end of the day, it's used for search, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's creating a ta the, the tag mm -hmm. tells uh, the platform um, what what it is you're talking about. Okay. And so it's very unlikely that you have a picture. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, but I don't think it's worth a thousand That's hashtags. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, regarding the hashtags, I've never done this, but I... I might have heard this only go to YouTube video or something. They said use a hashtag that's trending, like just with any picture, because so many people will see that. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's worthwhile, or is it kind of because it's not that doesn't have to do with whatever the trend is? Right. I think that's garbage. Okay. Right. So that's so what you you want your online presence to be what your in person presence is, mm -hmm. and I don't think anyone in this room wants to be called inauthentic mm -hmm. or scammy or any other, any other word that would describe someone who is untruthful. Um, and when you try scamming the system uh, through, through the internet, this is what happened with SEO 
and keywords on websites is people just started cramming keywords into their um, into their website and so Google comes along and within a couple of years they change the algorithm and it all works very differently now mm -hmm. it works better now but don't be the person who causes the platform to change how they do things. And you also mentioned cheating. What did you mean when you said that to me regarding my Instagram pulling into my Facebook? Yeah, so no disrespect, but that's lazy, right? Because because but your audience on Instagram is different from your audience on Facebook, so they should get different content, right? If you want this to be effective, then you need to take you need to take the time to talk to that person as if they're the only person in the world. And if you're doing, if you're having the same conversation on Instagram and Facebook, then why do you have both platforms? They're different audiences. There are different people there. It's a different conversation. And so, and so, what you mentioned is, uh, about we're busy business owners, absolutely, yeah. And so, our growth in our business is either a priority or it is not. And we will either stay in business and grow, or we will not. People go out of business all the time, and they go out of business because they put their priority their priorities on the wrong stuff. So. Steve Covey in, in Seven Habits, he talks about the second quadrant. Uh, of, and Eisenhower used this model. There are four quadrants. Um, if, if you're not familiar with it, absolutely take three minutes to, to look it up online. But uh, the four quadrants, uh, it, it's based on importance and urgency. And we spend all of our time in things that are, most of us as business owners spend all of our time on urgent things, the phone ringing. Uh, and it's not important, but it's urgent because it's right now. And that's where we spend our time, and then we're frustrated with our numbers at the end of the year. If we just took four hours in the morning to spend time on the things that actually matter in our business, we will be so much more successful. If we spend mm -hmm. an hour or two a day on social media and we or on our online presence, and we say, "My business growth is the most my business is the most important thing about my business." It's this radical concept that my business is important to my business. If we spend time as if that is true then there's time for social media and our website and creating content and making videos. Can you <clears throat> talk about the different audiences in Facebook and Instagram? Mm -hmm. Can you sure. describe them? Absolutely. So Facebook's amazing in, in that um, I believe it's the second largest country in the world, right, <laughs> by, by population. Uh, or, or maybe it's the largest now. There's, um, there's billions of people who use Facebook. So um, in America, most people have a Facebook. Um, so, but, but the audience trends, active users trends a little bit older. Uh, a little bit older, not that 40 plus is old, but it's older than the Instagram demographic. So um, best audiences for Facebook, truly, if, if you're trying to sell to, uh, to moms with kids in their teens, Facebook's a great platform. If you're trying to sell to senior citizens online, Facebook's your best platform. Um, if you're trying to sell to business professionals, LinkedIn's your platform. If you're trying to sell to teenagers, Instagram and Snapchat to a less, lesser extent. They use Snapchat more, but Snapchat hasn't monetized as well as Instagram has. And Instagram has because Facebook has done the best. So if you're talking about how do I grow my business, there are a couple things, and that, that being the audience differences. So Instagram certainly trends younger, um, younger than millennial, really, and millennials and, and younger. So uh, kids in their teens, 
My 17-year-old sister runs my Instagram, right? <laughs> Why? Because she understands the platform better than I do at the end of the day, you know? And that's the reality is that that's the age demographic of Instagram. It's, you know, there are people in their 40s who have an Instagram, but they're not killing it like, you know, like the younger demographic. And they're certainly, if you're trying to sell to somebody, that's, that's what I would uh, use Instagram for. Absolutely. But when you get down to spending money and where, do, where should I be spending money on ads, I think people should start with Facebook first because the Facebook ad delivery platform also delivers to Instagram. And, um, and they have the most robust advertising platform of any of the social medias. It has gone up. It's, it's gone up like 200% in the last year, your cost to reach people. But it's still locked tight. Really well done. Are they all pretty reasonable as like price? I know I've boosted and done different things on Facebook, but I haven't really done a whole lot as advertising, except for like the uh, just posting on the, <coughs> on the other ones. Um, so it all comes down to cost of customer acquisition. How much are you willing to pay to have a customer? And that's going to vary for every industry and every business. So there are certain people who will say, yeah, I'll, I'll drop $1,000 to get a customer. That's no problem. Mm -hmm. And there are other people, the customer's not even worth $1,000 to me. I'll spend 37 cents and no more. Right? So, so it really just comes down to to that and um, Ryan Dice who's uh, an absolute thought leader in the marketing world oh, he says all the time and I completely agree whoever is willing to spend the most for a customer is going to win the customer so yes it's cost effective however if you're willing to put in more time and energy or more in ad spend to get the customer you're going to have more customers yeah, yeah. we've talked a lot about this. a lot of social media is Twitter just passe now other than for our a fearless leader and president? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's why it is. So Twitter's <laughs> uh, an interesting platform. I don't think it's very good for most businesses. No. Uh, it's, it's a pretty good platform if you're talking about news and politics. Um, but I, I don't think most of our businesses in this room, I don't, it just it tends not to make sense. And their ad, their ad network is horrific. Is it? Yeah. I always just thought it was because, you know, if you, if you had your uh, specific people, your people that you're like clients or customers that you're uh, part of their network on twi Twitter, then you're, then it's a great, great thing to get, get like 10% off or 20% off something. But, sure. uh, but you have to, you actually have to develop that yeah. clientele beforehand. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a question. So. Like, I would say Facebook's probably the most popular. Then we have Instagram. Is there another social media we should just keep our eye on, say, for, like, in the next 5, 10 years? Because you have nothing else to do. You're well, so busy, I know. If you think about it, though, like, for me, like, I have a lot of kids. So, yeah. I mean, I do on the Facebook for the parents. I try to focus more on my Instagram for, like, the teenagers and kids. So, like, yeah. eventually those kids that are on the Instagram – are going to be in their 20s, mm -hmm. and I need to know what's the next thing the younger kids are going to be on. Is it going to be just all Snapchat then, or is there going to be another platform another. you think is going to be popular? Probably not developed yet. Well, <laughs> I know a lineup was kind of popped up. That, yeah. That kind of, but how, that, how, how good of a footy? Right, right. That's going. It's way out. I've been hearing that the last couple of months. Yeah. yeah. Great. From what you're saying, it's not. Well, I know. It's, so, so it's really hard to say what's going to happen in five to ten years, and I'm hardly qualified to do any such thing. 
What I will say though is where I see the greatest opportunity is through Facebook Messenger. And if you treat that as its own platform, that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity. It's a great opportunity to automate a lot of customer interaction. There's been a lot of acquisitions. They're talking about integrating the Facebook Messenger with uh, Instagram Messenger and a third platform Messenger that I don't recall at the moment. And there's a lot of business opportunity through Facebook Messenger, especially setting up chat bots through it. That will answer. So you talked about people before who, who send you Facebook messages, yeah. messages that ask you questions that may or may not be worth your time. You're going to be able to, you can just start loading some of those answers in there right away. And so you don't have to be there for them to get a response. That's pretty cool stuff. So it's like an FAQ almost. Yeah, it's like an FAQ. It's like a smart FAQ that will send them whatever, based on what they send you, it will give them an answer relevant. And is that by utilizing Chatbox? Is that, wait. I just, uh, if you start look, just taking a deep okay. dive into Facebook okay. Messenger. Right, yeah. okay. So is that something, it's just when people message you, or is there, you're, is there a way you can get people to use that more? Yeah, there's all, there's, they're rolling out a lot of new, just in the last couple months, Facebook's been rolling out a lot of new stuff with that. Okay. And I'm, I'm hardly an expert on, on what's going to happen Can we that. talk to your sister? Yeah. Well, you see, that, yeah. see, that's the thing. Like, you should have that 16-year-old, yeah, your employee, to take that. care of your Instagram, right? Because yeah. she yeah. is relevant in that. Yeah, she yeah. was telling me she her mom does massage. She does her mom's massage Instagram. Right. Because so, she was showing me, like, these were my mom's posts, like, three likes. This was mine, like, 28. Yeah, Because yeah, right. she just started it. So, yeah. And I, and I think, too, um, Rachel, to your question about, like, what the next thing is, <clears throat> I don't know that we've defined that. I don't know that our society has defined that yet. Mm -hmm. I think it's all a matter of what we all gravitate towards for ease of, usability and how big of a network that we can get from it. I signed up for a social media platform. It probably was less than a year ago at this point. Um, it was called Vero, V-E-R-O. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be an all, a one-stop shop for photos, songs, video, and there might have been a few other features you can you know, follow and do all this other, other stuff with it. But you know what? They gained 2 million users in like a weekend. Their site crashed. And I think they lost 2 million users in a weekend. And that platform is, it was really slick looking. The quality of the photos were amazing when they came across on your phone, but they just couldn't put it together. And I still think now to this day, they struggle to be that platform that they intended to be. So I don't know that, I don't know we know what that's going to be until it maybe actually even hits mm -hmm. sort of thing. So does anybody have any other questions? Well, can I, I do. Can I just... To take a minute, um, not even. So me being in the real estate realm, we also have like the Trulia, Zillow, Realtor.com. Bottom line, is it important that everything feeds into your website and your website is where the meat needs to be, correct? Because, yeah. yeah. So this is what it comes the down bridge. to. Yeah. Facebook could close tomorrow and you can't do anything about it. Right. So if that's where you're, you're driving your traffic or where all your... You don't control that. You right. don't control Twitter. You don't control LinkedIn. You don't control any of those platforms. You control two things. You control your website, mm -hmm. and you control your email list. Understood. That's it. Okay. And you can control phone numbers but as well. But at the end of the day, you control your website. You control your email list. Everything else is outside of your control. There could be a big scandal. Something could fall apart. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not in your hands. So that's why I think building the email list is so important. That's why I think having a great website is so important. 
the nature of websites is changing, and especially you know with the use of cell phones and mm -hmm. what good content is. And but with these social media platforms, as, as all across the web, is there's been this stabilization, and that's why now we have social media networks that have been around for more than ten years. Well, they only started coming out about twelve years ago, right? Twelve or fifteen years ago. So in any economy, where whenever there's a new advent of a new technology. There's going to be all these things that come out, and there was Periscope and, and all this other stuff, but it's going to stabilize, and there are going to be business models that just work better than other ones, and occasionally there will be upstarts, and who knows where, the, where they'll come from, but at the end of the day, you control what you control, zero in and focus on that, that because you can only count on that. That's your long-term play is what you know that you own. And then, Ed, could you talk a little bit about, we were talking, you were saying earlier about the, just the genuineness and putting the personality into the social media because a lot of it's fake out there. So yeah. I know you recently had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk on that. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of describe that a little bit for uh, the audience? So I think that everyone is different and everyone has their own approach to how we interact with other people. And so... With our presence on social media, there are people who have a very unhealthy relationship with social media, and they live their life through social media, and it's, it's just not healthy, and it leads to a lot of anxiety. And so people like that shouldn't be on social media, and that's okay until they have a healthier relationship with themselves. And so I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is when you know yourself and you're comfortable with yourself, it becomes easier to know how to portray yourself online. And when you're online, the first thing is getting started, right? Because you're, there's a vulnerability when you start making yourself accessible, sorry. theoretically, to... Thank you, sorry. Absolutely. Be good. That's Kip who's leaving right now, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... He's, he's going to start his website. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so ex he's so excited. Uh, so with our online presence, there's, there's absolutely a vulnerability that comes into play of what will people think of me? If people really knew me how I was, we all experience this, if people really knew me as, as I am, would they still like me? Why are you looking at me like that? Because <laughs> you're a realtor. <laughs> Don't stereotype. We're not all the same. So, segues right into my question. So, I, I'm using Facebook for interaction with my high school classmates, you know, and I had a 770 member class but mm -hmm. um, so if I started a Facebook business page the, the people that interact with that business page get full access to my personal uh, profile on Facebook so that's up to you you can create you can set that up how you want okay so there are a couple you bring up a couple of things the one is that Facebook has been making it pay to play and becoming increasingly expensive, they've also made it way more difficult for company pages to be successful. There's a time where a company page would show up in your newsfeed just as much as your connections. And Facebook said, well, really, at the end of the day, people want to network with their human connections, not with businesses. And they probably dialed it back too much. They probably overdid it. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. Uh, so that's the reality of it. And so if it makes sense for you to have a Facebook business page because there are people on Facebook who would do business with you, absolutely do it. 
Um, however, the answer for this is different for everyone because the nature of our relationships and the nature of our network changes for each of us. There are some of us who are introverts who don't really want to spend social time with other people because we like to go recharge reading a book by a lake. And then there are other people who absolutely want to network all the time and are uncomfortable being alone, uh, which is where we get into some of the problems with social media is, is this fear of loneliness um, where we always need uh, approval from other people for validation. Um, and so most people are somewhere in between. And so how you set up your online presence just needs to be in alignment with who you are. So if, if you have um, a high school network that's tied in with your business network, then it makes sense to have a lot of crossover. And if it's separate, and if you want to keep it separate, then don't bring them together. It is well, crazy. That, so that was my question, whether there was <coughs> firewalls between the two or not. Well, it's just in your interactions with your uh, classmates, are there, is there a wall where you don't talk about business, or do you? Yeah, I, I don't do business with many of them at all. Maybe that's a mistake, but it's just, you know, yeah. I'm not going to let um, the people that I'm connected with business know about what we did on high school partying. You know, stuff like that. It's related to that. That type of stuff. Because we can, um, you know, have a lot of fun with those memories. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that everybody needs to know what the skeletons in my closet are. <laughs> so can, can I respond to that question? Sure. I, I've been watching this. It's interesting that you asked this question because I've been watching this with my travel agency owner friends and my travel agent friends. It's a different dynamic, whether okay, you own sure. the company or you're an agent. And when I watch their Facebook or Instagram pages or whatever, it's interesting to see how some of them keep their business stuff all about business and some of them keep their business stuff about anything, their dogs, whatever. And it's truly just their personality that comes across. And what and so from my perspective and watching that, I have a more of an insight into who they are. Do I want that? Is it positive? Is it negative? I don't know. It's really what they wanted to project. So it's really, that's why Ed said, you know, it's really an individualized thing. And as somebody trying to learn, you just want to say, no, just give me the list. Just give me the, how the steps of how to do this. But it really is incredibly individualized. And I don't think that there's really a wrong way to do it unless you're posting pictures of you wearing a lampshade. Okay. <laughs> Please I don't have, post uh, that. My, my Facebook page, I have a business Facebook page too, and a personal one. But uh, even on my business page, I'll joke around a little bit, right? When I say that, when you talk about dogs, I put, I put our dachshund on there every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And he talks for them. You know, stuff like that. Or I have a 65 Chevelle Super Sport, so I, I mention it to people, okay, here's some of my hobbies, you know, to lighten it up a little bit and stuff like that. Sure, that's building To get to know me a little oh, bit. Oh, right. Better. Our job yeah. in yes. our businesses is to connect with others. I don't care yeah, how much so that, technology that, I mean, is out I, there. I do mm -hmm. stuff it's still like about that. connecting and relationships. Right. So right. that's what you're that's creating. Exactly yeah. right. And that's the most important thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does anybody have any other questions for Ed? All right, great. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Victory Bank Business Series. Ed, thank you for presenting today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome.
So that's it for the Victory Business Series. Uh, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to attend a future business series presentation, please drop us a note at rsvp at victorybank.com. We will add you to our mailing list to be notified of upcoming seminars. If you would like to be considered to present at the Victory Bank Business Series, please email rsvp at victorybank.com. Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to be notified of new episodes of this podcast. The Victory Bank, fulfill your dreams. Thank you for listening to the Victory Business Series podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like to attend a future business series presentation, please drop us a note at rsvp at victorybank.com. We will add you to our mailing list and notify you of upcoming seminars. If you would like to be considered to present at the Victory Bank Business Series, please email rsvp at victorybank.com. Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications to be notified of new episodes. The Victory Bank. Fulfill your dreams. Member FDIC.